Good morning, Twitter. I'm Saeed Jones. He is Isaac Fitzgerald. It's Wednesday. You're watching AM to DM. All right, well, listen, yesterday was Will Smith's 50th birthday, which is right. wild. Happy just birthday. On its own. And he celebrated by bungee jumping out of a helicopter near the Grand Canyon <laughs> without a helmet. Without a helmet. I mean, you know, glad you're still with us, Will. Mm. Would've been really awkward if your birthday and the death day were the same, that just would've been like, <laughs> okay. weird. But here's the thing. As this unfolded, I wasn't aware that he was doing this. Um, <laughs> you I, weren't up to date? I, shocker. A lot going um, on. I uh, just saw a lot of tweets all of a sudden about Trevor from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Now, did you? I do not know. I did not understand the Trevor tweets. Okay. So at one point on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, um, Hillary, his, what, cousin, um, falls in love with this guy named Trevor. He's like the one. He's great. Everyone in the family loves him. And uh, Trevor plans to propose and does it um, <laughs> by skydiving. Okay. He's like, and it's like, nice. it's off camera. He's like, Hillary, will you? And he dies. What? <laughs> <laughs> they're all, I think the whole family's like, I know out. Fresh Prince got like serious every <laughs> once in a while. I think the way it's shot, really like they're all out in front of the house and it's like, Hillary, will you hear it in the yeah. and he, he dies. Um, it was really funny at the time. It was a bit. It was great. Okay. You know. um, okay. So it was like, dude, <laughs> Will, like you understand the stakes. You know how this could work out. Don't tempt the fates like this. Don't do it. That said, he did the damn thing. He did it. He had some wonderful words afterwards. I think I saw a lot of people. He's good I at saw that. the Trevor stuff. I also saw yeah. a lot of people getting inspired by it, getting motivated Will by is it. Very inspiring. I, As is Jada. Jada Pinkett Smith was on the show and it was like, I still think of some of the things she told me. Doing any one of those things though, but to combine them all, would you do that? Would Absolutely, you? of course not. Or like even one of those. Would no. you go bungee jumping? No. None of those things. Skydiving? Nope. Even if you? No. I don't want to go snorkeling. I don't want to go scuba diving. Um, I would do the, the girls trip thing. Okay, you would do a zip line. I would urinate on white people in the middle of Bourbon Street. No, I, yeah, I would do You the, would do a zip? I would do Would that. you do it in the woods? No, I would do it in Bourbon you Street. Would <laughs> So it would have to that be would in be, the city. It would be, have to be uh -huh. across basically just the street. Yeah. You would yeah. zip line for about five Queen seconds. Queen Latifah would have to be on the other side of Bourbon <laughs> Street waving me over. Those are the only circumstances. This is getting very, very specific. <laughs> I just, I wouldn't make it. You know, would. Okay. I don't even, I know you would do. I mean, I've already done it. I've gone skydiving. I've gone bungee Did jumping. You wear a helmet? But I'll tell you this. I wore a helmet, Will. Listen, and I wore a damn the, helmet. I know my hair's on a journey this morning, children. Here's the thing. If Isaac Fitzgerald's wearing more safety equipment than you. <laughs> and he's 50, but good on him. I'm, I'm glad you're with us. Shout out to you, Will. I shout out, shout to, out you. to Will. Um, listen, Twitter, let's take you to the timeline. What's something wild that you haven't done yet that you want to do before or during your next birthday? Let us know using the hashtag AM. To out of a damn helicopter. It's a lot. Without a helmet. It's a lot. It's like even the fun things in 2018 are a bit <laughs> risky much. Um, <laughs> I do think Five Fifths has a good read on this. He tweeted, Will Smith's ascendant second career as a social media dad is fun to watch. And that's true. It that, is, it's pretty neat. That is absolutely I don't know how like Willow and Jaden Phillip, I'm sure they're like. Eh, they're a little great. bit stressed, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing. Of course, there's news like that. 
And then there's just news. Author Brittany Cooper had this to say about Bill Cosby's three to 10 year sentence. Cosby got what he deserved today. Yes, it's devastating that he turned out to be this man rather than Cliff Huxtable. That devastation ain't got nothing on the devastation of the women he serially violated for the better part of 50 years. Nalika Jayawardane tweeted this, if anyone doubted the effect of Bill Cosby's assaults, uh, read Andrea Constant's victim impact statement. Heartbreaking, clear, full of strength and indignity, of which he and his lawyers tried to rob her. Okay, now here are just a few lines from that statement. I've often asked myself why the burden of being the sole witness in two criminal trials had to fall to me. The pressure was enormous. I knew that how my testimony was perceived, that how I was perceived, would have an impact on every member of the jury and on the future mental and emotional well-being of every sexual assault victim who came before me. But I had to testify. It was the right thing to do and I wanted to do the right thing even if it was the most difficult thing I've ever done. And we are going to share that whole statement now. I very much recommend that you take time to read it today if you haven't already. Incredibly powerful from a powerful woman. Well, our own Kate Arthur said this, I wrote a lot about Bill Cosby over the years and kind of can't believe this happened, but it did. And that is a testament to the many, many survivors who came forward. Kate Arthur joins us now. Good morning, Kate. Hi, guys. How are you? We're doing well. We're doing well. How are you doing this morning? Good, good. All right. I'm glad to hear that. Now, like you said, you've been covering this story for a very long time. What was it yeah. like to hear that verdict come down yesterday? I mean, I was just so happy for the survivors, um, you know, that and for the larger Me Too movement that someone is going to prison for, you know, and one of the most famous people, culturally significant people uh, of the 20th century. And um, that is a huge victory for the survivors. Absolutely. Kate, what was, if you remember, the first reported story you did for BuzzFeed News on the allegations uh, against Bill Cosby. I, I feel like it's fair to say you were certainly one of the first people who kind of decided to break into this at a point when public opinion was in a very different place than it is now. So I just wanted to know about that story and what was the catalyst that pushed you to break through? Um, well, NBC in January 2014 very triumphantly announced that they were going to do a, a new show with Bill Cosby. Um, a week later or so, Dylan Farrow wrote her open letter um, in the New York Times and Nick Kristoff's blog uh, talking about um, the her allegations against her father. And I think I and a lot of other journalists were thinking about like, who are the other very famous people out there who have these these allegations against them in the in their past, and I remember that Bill Cosby had settled a lawsuit with uh, a, a woman who um, said he had drugged and raped her that settled in 2006, and I couldn't believe that no one, you know, that people just had forgotten this, and um, and so I I wrote something. Gawker wrote something. Uh, Katie Baker, who now works at BuzzFeed, but was then at Newsweek, interviewed some of his past accusers. And I wrote something from the NBC TV angle. Um, and they just didn't care at all. Like I spoke with someone at NBC and they were like, yeah, I don't even remember that really. And we're not worried about it. Mm. 
So um, that was the first story that I wrote. Wow, that was the first story. And to think about then and where we are now. Kay, I wanted yeah. to ask you, how do you feel like Me Too affected this trial? And what do you think this trial and its outcome, yeah. how will it affect Me Too? Yeah, well, in the first trial, which um, ended up uh, with a hung jury, um, and the same judge did not allow other accusers to to testify against him, people who had said he did the same thing to them. In the second trial, he did allow other accusers uh, to testify. And we'll never, unless the judge actually says like, that I did it because the culture had changed and I realized that that had been a mistake in the first trial, um, then we're not going to know whether that's because of me too. But it is, it, it, it coincides exactly with the timeline of the reckoning of the past year and how things have changed in terms of maybe believing women a little more. I would hope so. Let's talk about, about Andrew Wyatt. Uh, about, I'm turned Canadian for a second there. Let's talk about Andrew Wyatt. He is uh, Cosby's spokesperson because I think in addition to the sentencing news itself, the other yeah. major news item were Andrew Wyatt's comments, things like they persecuted Jesus and look what happened, sex wars. He invoked the Kavanaugh news um, as well. W what do you make of, of this guy? <sighs> Well, Bill Cosby has just been so tone deaf and clueless throughout this entire time. I mean, he has employed at first he employed like a scorched earth strategy, trying to destroy the, the women who are coming out and calling them crazy. And that didn't work. I mean, everything that he and the people around him have done has just been the most tone deaf utterly, I mean, just a disaster. And, and yesterday was no, uh, no different from that. I mean, he, it's just, I, I, it, of all the times to compare someone to Jesus when they're about to go to prison for, um, for, uh, being found guilty for raping someone. I'm, I, I, I don't think that's the time. Yeah, that's not the time. It's never the time. It never works, but that's definitely not the time. <laughs> well, Kate, as always, we appreciate your reporting. It is, of course, thrilling to get to this point in, as you mentioned, a very long, a very long story. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Well, listen, we're going live from the district in just a bit, because Lord knows we have a lot to talk about in DC. And later in the show, we have Jason George from Station 19 and author Ann T. Donnie, who is here. I'm excited to talk to her. But up next, it's Fire Tweets. All right, we've got a tweet here from uh, I'm Just Me. We were talking about uh, Will Smith uh, being, you know, the high-flying, no-helmet-wearing dad. The 50-year-old dad <laughs> 50 -year -old jumping dad. out of helicopters near the Grand Canyon. Isaac has skydived, yeah. wore a helmet. I'm Just Me has said, Isaac, would a helmet make that much of a difference if something goes wrong when you're throwing yourself out of an airplane? Listen, I know I'm not the person you should go to for safety advice, <laughs> but I'm gonna say yes. Okay. I'm gonna say professionals are like, wear a helmet. Safety first, kids. Yeah. Safety first. So you die from the, like, the, the spinal. All right, here we go. Viking, <laughs> you tweeted, date, do you like Pokemon? Me, yeah, of course, who doesn't? Date, oh cool, what's your favorite? Me, uh, trying to impress her. P -p 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 Piglet? <laughs> mm, 
if you're gonna pretend this. like you know something, you should actually know your facts. That's right. Also, I don't like when people ask what's your favorite. Do you really? I don't. Is that because you don't got the facts to back it up? <laughs> what is your favorite Pokemon, Saeed? Uh, Jigglypuff. Oh, nice. See? Uh, no, I just it. find what's your favorite, I find it overwhelming. I tend not to, you know me, I'm like very gray area and like having to limit, like, what's your favorite city on the road trip? Yep. Yeah, you know, no, I, I freak out. I freak it's also, out. It, it happens a lot with books, I find. Like, hey, oh, g- give me a great book. It's all of a sudden, like, yeah. empty. Who's your favorite poet? <laughs> yeah, okay. This comes from Joan <laughs> Rivers. Oh, Joan Rivers, okay. Why am I on the train and this lady sneezing mad times? Nobody said shit. Then she sneezed again. And some nigga said, no disrespect, you wildin' right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about this. Mm. Someone sneezes. First off, you should always say bless you. Bless you, gazoon tight, you know, non denominational, <laughs> wish you well, okay. whatever. Uh, but then they sneeze again. See, this is the thing. I always say God um, bless. And then if they do it again, I say like two times, three times. See, he's from New England and doesn't realize how fucking passive aggressive that is. But to just say. I'm like, oh, you're counting now? No disrespect to you <laughs> wilding right now? That's I would laugh. Insane. I wonder, I hope she laughed. Oh, I mean, you say you'd laugh. All right, here we go. <laughs> Teresa, forget pumpkin spice, it's soup season. Hey. You've got potato soup, Woo. chicken noodle soup, yeah. butternut squash soup, Bow. French onion soup, Yeet. chicken tortilla soup, cheesy broccoli <laughs> soup, Italian wedding soup, tomato soup. Sorry, baby, I got all hype. Just so many soups. You know how I feel. Happy oh, soup season, amen. baby. I'm sorry, happy, I had to jump in. Happy Woo. soup Isaac season. knows. He loves soup. I got some butternut squash just the other day. <laughs> I love soup season. Sorry. I don't know. I had why. to jump in. I, I feel like Pharrell behind Ariana. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, just, I just like, you say butternut squash made me laugh. I don't know why. I love it. Okay, tweet of the day comes from it. Megan. My lab instructor asked us what the kids are listening to these days so she could play some music in class, and no one answered. So I said, Rihanna. And she played work. Oh my God, out of all of the songs, you want me to throw ass here in this laboratory? <laughs> Dissecting the frog? Work, 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 work. <laughs> shout out to the science teacher. in this laboratory. <laughs> Listen, speaking of throwing ass, I don't even know what I mean by that. Up next, we're going live from the district. Wow. We'll be right back. Okay, all right. Welcome back. We're going live from the district with BuzzFeed News White House correspondent Tarini Party. Good morning, Tarini. Good morning, guys. Welcome back. Thanks. Yeah, good Thanks. to be back. Good to see you, Tarini. <laughs> okay, so of course we have so much to discuss um, in terms of tomorrow's hearing. Uh, let's start with this tweet from the AP. Uh, Senate Republicans are bringing in Arizona prosecutor Rachel Mitchell to question Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh and the woman in this case, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, who accuses him of sexual assault. Uh, Tarini, to start, I saw this moment yesterday where Mitch McConnell said we were bringing in, quote, a female assistant uh, to do the questioning. Was he talking about, like, veteran prosecutor Rachel Mitchell? And if so, tell us about her career. 
It seems he was talking about her, and that was clearly a poor choice of words on his part. Um, she seems to be a very accomplished uh, lawyer who has worked in this area for many years. She's handled a lot of similar cases to um, Christine Blasey Ford's uh, in terms of um, cases involving uh, either physical or sexual abuse uh, of children. And uh, specifically, these cases involved uh, allegations that weren't, uh, that, that didn't have as much corroboration. So in that sense, there are some parallels to um, the situation at hand with uh, the allegations that Dr. Ford has brought forward. All right, now I want to ask, what are the other logistics of the hearing? Uh, like, will Mitchell question Dr. Ford and Kavanaugh? What's it going to look like? So what we know right now is that um, Dr. Ford is going to give, uh, oh, excuse me, that both senators, the chairman of the committee, uh, Chuck Grassley and Dianne Feinstein, are going to make their opening statements. And then Dr. Ford is going to give her opening statement. And then she's going to be uh, questioned for about five minutes. Those questions can come from senators, but can also, they can also yield their time to uh, the, the outside counsel that they're bringing on. Um, and then th the same thing will happen for Kavanaugh. So our understanding right now is that uh, the outside counsel will interview both, um, will have the opportunity to ask questions of both Dr. Ford and Kavanaugh. I know Senate Republicans have been doing everything they can to move this whole confirmation along as fast as possible. I was still shocked to see they've already scheduled a vote for 9.30 a.m. on Friday. It's like we don't even know what's about to happen. So what are we to read into uh, the scheduled vote? So the way that the chairman of the committee has explained the vote is that th this is following regular order, that you need to have uh, three days of essentially sort of set up time uh, in order to get that vote um, in case everything goes okay with the hearing tomorrow. But we also know that Senate Republicans feel like they need to push this through if, um, if the Senate Republicans feel comfortable where, with where they are tomorrow, that you know the, the likelihood of getting Kavanaugh confirmed in part relies on how quickly they can get it through. And that's why they're rush, rush, rushing. Well, here's a tweet from Jake Tapper. Judge Kavanaugh's 1982 calendar submitted to Senate Judiciary Committee, and we've got a couple of photos there that we can show, but are these calendars, Tarini, are they actually substantive or just a distraction? I mean, I think they're as substantive as as any teenager's calendars would, would from 1982 would be. I mean, from what I've seen, uh, you know, he's talking about going to watch Greece and, uh, you know, movies and, and basketball games, things like that. So, you know, I'm not sure how helpful they're going to be in terms of uh, the hearing tomorrow and in uh, in terms of making his point that he was not at the party that 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 uh, where Christine Blasey Ford alleges that this incident occurred. Um, but so I think that's going to be up to senators to decide whether they think that this calendar is, um, you know, a core part of the defense and actually makes that point. I can't help personally wonder if the calendars have been floated because they want us to talk about the calendars and not about the drinking, which brings us to this tweet from Molly Hensley Clancy, one of your colleagues there in DC. One of Brett Kavanaugh's friends from Yale told me it was normal to find him slumped over asleep at parties where there was heavy drinking. He drank a lot. He wasn't falling asleep reading a book. So, you know, the, obviously drinking habits, um, your behavior when you have drunk too much, blacked out, all of that is coming up. Why are we seeing more of Kavanaugh's classmates, though, willing to go on the record about his drinking habits at Yale? 
I think that's uh, in part because of two reasons. One, that uh, I think a lot of people watched uh, Kavanaugh's interview with Fox News earlier this week, where he sort of presented himself as, uh, as you know, some people have, have said a choir boy, uh, in which he talked, you know, he said he didn't ever uh, drink to the extent of not remembering anything the next day. He really talked about going to church and focusing on his academics and athletics. And I think some of his, his classmates who knew him during that period, that sort of rubbed them the wrong way. And if they had seen him act in a way that, you know, didn't necessarily align with the way he presented himself in that interview, that they thought that they should speak up. The other reason I think why people, why his classmates are now speaking up is because of the attacks on Deborah Ramirez. Um, this is someone who, uh, based on the comments from people who went to Yale with her, has said is a trustworthy person She and, and someone who is very credible. And the fact that we now have Republicans and um, the President of the United States attacking this woman, I think uh, a lot of people who went to school with both Kavanaugh and Ramirez felt like they should speak up on her behalf. Speak up on her behalf. Well, here's a tweet from you, Tarini. Trump tells reporters he would have frankly preferred had Senate Republicans push Kavanaugh's nomination through instead of having the hearing this week. Um, so, Tarini, that got me wondering, does Trump have any influence over this process? So he's letting Senate Republicans kind of handle uh, the procedure and the day-to-day -day of this. And at this point, you know, if you remember last week, the president said, you know, if there's a delay, there's a delay. That's fine. Um, so he seems to be sort of reversing, you know, everything he said um, when these allegations first came out. Uh, but we have seen him become increasingly frustrated with how this process has gone on. Um, you know, it, it is unclear how much of a role he's playing in terms of actually talking uh, to Senate Republicans about this and to Kavanaugh's team. Uh, we know that he reached out to Kavanaugh based on what um, the judge said in his Fox News interview. Um, he had reached out to him earlier that day and said he would be supportive. But there doesn't seem to be, um, you know, uh, too much communication between Senate Republicans and the president himself in terms of uh, Trump telling them what to do. They're, they're kind of doing their own thing, it seems. Another parallel to the Anita Hill uh, experience uh, there is that we have Deborah Ramirez saying she's willing to mm -hmm. testify. Will she be given an opportunity to testify before this Friday vote? I think that is a big question right now. Her lawyers have said that she is obviously open to testifying. Um, he's also said that they've tried to set up a calls with members of the Judiciary Committee and only Democrat, uh, only uh, representatives from Democratic members' offices have uh, been on these calls. They've been communicating with the majority leader, the majority Republican majority's offices, and have not really gotten anywhere. So I think that given that the hearing is tomorrow, um, it would be hard for for another person to now testify, but that could still happen because, as we've seen, this situation has been evolving pretty quickly every day. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about the UN. Here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News editor Hayes Brown. Trump's speech to the United Nations was all about the United States doing whatever it wants, uh, basically, which includes getting laughed at by the international community. Uh, Tarini, what is Trump trying to accomplish with his appearances this week, given that he's made it pretty clear he doesn't value the UN as an institution? 
That's exactly right. And that's why the speech I thought was interesting because he really did hone in on the American American sovereignty uh, thing that he talks about a lot anytime he's talking about foreign policy. It was very much uh, aligned with um, you know his uh, America first stance. Um, he talked interestingly about um, Iran, about North Korea, uh, but you know from the perspective of uh, you know, the meeting with North, with the North Korean leader went well, but then there are all these other issues uh, with uh, various countries like Iran. Uh, but you know, sort of brought it back to uh, his America First policy, um, and that you know, America should not be involved too much in these um, with these outside countries and their foreign policy. And like we mentioned, then getting a ton of laughs. Well, Tarini, that was a ton of news. So thank you so much for walking (laughs) us through it all. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Well, listen, up next, Stephanie speaks with Martha Truslow-Smith, the woman behind the popular Instagram account, Grombre. Stay tuned. Would you go, Gray? Oh, it's okay. Yeah, like ombre, like Grom. Yeah, would you go, Gray? I'd do it. I'd do it. We'll see. I'd do it. A little fade. Yeah, it would be. (laughs) Today I'm joined by Martha Truslow-Smith, who runs the popular Instagram account Grombre that celebrates women with gray hair. And little does she know, she is our Woman Crush Wednesday! (laughs) Martha, you are our official WCW. How does it feel? Wow, I'm honored. Thank you so much. Of course, we love everything you're doing with your Instagram account, which was just featured in a piece on the goods called Gray Hair is Still Taboo for Women, but this popular Instagram account celebrates it. So why do you think it is in the year 2018 that women still can't have their gray show? Goodness, there's so many reasons, but essentially I think women are... Uh, told constantly that there's so many things that we have to fix about ourselves. Um, gray hair just being one of those things. And so women are kind of shamed into um, doing it. Now, it can be something that, you know, you like and you celebrate and you like dyeing your hair. That's a different case. But if you don't enjoy it, then you shouldn't have to. You started going gray from a young age. Can you talk about that a little bit? What was your journey accepting this fact about yourself? Yeah, so I found my first gray hair at the age of 14, so very young. And surprisingly enough, um, there are a host of other women out there that have said the same thing. And so, yeah, it was it was hard because, you know, as a 14-year-old and you have a gray hair, you, you're old. That makes you look old. So I really grappled with what that meant for me. Um, I dyed my hair for years until two years ago. I was like, why am I doing this? I don't enjoy this. I don't want to. Why am I changing who I am? And I decided just to stop. How did you make that decision? I mean, it is so taboo and it's so impressive that you were able to kind of be like, you know, screw this, I'm just gonna be the way that I am naturally. What was your thought process behind that in your evolution? It was really scary, um, first and foremost, which is where Grand Ray came in for me. It was just sort of this passion project. I was looking for resources of different women who were going through the transition um, of embracing their gray hair and I couldn't find anything. And so I said, all right, passion project, I'll start an Instagram account. And that was really to help me just kind of deal with 
the hard days and the fear, um, because it's, it's jumping into the unknown. You don't know what you're going to look like. You don't even know if you're going to like it. Um, and so Grombre just kind of grew naturally. And there were all of these other women that felt the same way that I did, which was super encouraging. Yeah. I mean, now you have thousands and thousands of followers. So what it's, what has it been like for your Instagram to grow and blow up this much? (laughs) It's been, um, it's been so cool. I mean, just to um, hear these amazing women and their wonderful stories, um, living in their own lives, just um, doing something that is, it is scary. And it, it does take some um, courage to be vulnerable um, and just go through a big transition and embrace themselves in a whole new way. And just to have them, you know, come out of the woodworks when some, this is something in my own life I felt very isolated about. I felt like I was the only one. And there's so many others doing the same thing. It's just amazing. So amazing. So what has it been like for the past two years when you haven't been dyeing your hair? Do people come up to you? Do they stop you in the street? Have you experienced any uh, criticisms or anything? Yeah, you know, it's been interesting. Um, with anything that you do, you're going to get criticism. And so you do have a choice, you know, do I let other people's opinions affect the way I choose to love myself or do I carry on? I have personally decided to carry on. Um, On the flip side of that, you know, I've gotten some great encouragement from complete strangers, women coming up and saying, you know, um, it looks beautiful or if my hair looked like that, I would do it too. And what I always say to that is, how do you know your hair doesn't? Um, I, I don't know if it's coming through, but you know, if you saw me from a distance, you'd probably think I just have like shiny brown hair, but it is sprinkled with these awesome white streaks. And I, I can't wait to see how it looks as I age. For sure. So if someone wants to become a Grombe, Grombe lady, how does she be, get on this Instagram account? Yeah. So, um, I mean, you just stop dyeing your hair first of all in your own life. Um, and then I get submissions through email. There's an email linked to my account. And unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, there's, you know, hundreds of submissions that come through. Um, and so I kind of choose and curate a feed that kind of showcases different stories and, and different walks of life and different women in different stages of their journey. Very cool. Well, Martha, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. Thanks for having me. Be sure to check out her Instagram at Grombre. When we come back, Chantal is sitting down with Grey's Anatomy alum and star of Station 19, Jason George. I'm Chantal Rochelle, and this is The Sit Down. I'm here with actor Jason George, star of Station 19 on ABC. Good morning. Good morning. How, you How feel? are you? I'm good. Welcome back. Your second time here. Second time here. How's it feel? It uh, feels good. Back feels on the good. orange feels like couch. Home, you know, home on the orange couch. Yeah, you know. The books in the back. You know, got the books for you. I'm taking home an AM to DM Hey, you can me. have it at this point. You're a veteran. Thank you very much. It's mine now. <laughs> awesome. So, Station 19, season yes. two is here. Uh-huh. And you are a firefighter. Ben Warren, he's a firefighter now. That's what. That's the, that's the gig now. Yes, yes, that's the gig. And he saves so many lives. And with the way season one ended, is he going to have to save his marriage with Dr. Bailey? Yeah, it's um, it's, it's hard being married to uh, anybody who, you know, runs into fires mm-hmm. or puts them, their lives in danger. And that's, you know, I, I dig the fact that our show deals with that. And uh, it just gives me more excuses to, to hang out with Chandra Wilson, oh, whom I adore. She's amazing. 
amazing, yeah. iconic. Um, what can we expect with the crossovers from Station 19 and Grey's Anatomy this season? Yeah, it's going to get deep. I mean, the very first episode, you know, a lot of your favorite characters from Grey's are over. You know, Chandra Wilson's hanging out with us mm -hmm. for the first episode, and, uh, and that goes on. So, on any given episode, because we're right there, you know, we're mm -hmm. the we're the the ambulance. Our ambulance brings patients up to the door of Grey's Sloan Memorial, so mm -hmm. it always has people crossing over back and forth, but early in the season we have a full-on crossover episode where the story actually starts in Grays and finishes at the end of Station 19. Mm -hmm. So it's like, wow. you know, the arc for two hours. So it's, it's fun, it's just, you know, it, it just opens up the universe where you can play with a lot of different things and have a lot of different kinds of relationships with people from different shows. So I, I have a blast because I get to keep this relationship going. You know, the Ben and Bailey relationship from Grays is something I, I just found, I just love playing, you know, a couple of grown-ass mm -hmm. people of color. Yes. Who, have a relationship that, you know, they're both successful people, but, the, you know, she's a powerful woman, he's not threatened by that, okay. and uh, and they just keep it rolling, you know, and he's also doing what he needs to be doing. Absolutely, and you two have such amazing chemistry on screen together, it's so, so good. And, I mean, your character, Ben Warren, he's done it all, from anesthesiologist yeah. Yeah. to a surgeon, a yeah. firefighter, I mean, literally, he's taking everyone's job, yeah, well, so. He, he, you know, it's like, you know, you gotta collect more checks. Yeah, you checks yeah, you can never right? have too many coins. Yeah, exactly. So, you, in your own personal life, are you thinking about um, taking Ben Warren's direction and putting on multiple hats as uh, well? Always, always. You know, uh, try to do some things behind the camera and okay. you know, you'll, you'll hear more about that. Something. And I do a lot of things outside of uh, the industry as well. You know, okay. you know activism, you know, you know, social issues and that sort of thing. Oh, awesome. uh, you know, you stick your nose into whatever you, you, you think is right. Uh, I, th I think everybody should be stick, you know, sticking up for whatever they believe in, mm -hmm. uh, speaking out and that sort of thing. So that happens, you know, if we want to call that a hyphenate. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, you work for the queen of inclusion. You've worked with her for quite some time now, Shonda yeah. Rhimes. Mm -hmm. Love Shonda her. Love oh. oh, the yeah. Halo effect play. I mean, working with Shonda for all this time, how has she impacted your career and the opportunities that you've been able to experience? Look, look she's fantastic. Not only is she phenomenal in terms of you know diversity, equity, and inclusion, mm -hmm. and and she's she's fond of saying that like she it's just the way she sees the world. It's just mm -hmm. the right thing to do, yeah. and it shouldn't be anything that it shouldn't be seen as this novel thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but she's fully aware of the fact that thus far in the world it, it hasn't been you know yeah. the way things uh, have been done. Um, you know, she's also just really good people. Yeah. Like you get an email from Shonda and it says like you know if you're reading this email after 7 p.m. Maybe you should put it down and go be with your family. Oh, wow. Uh, and so that's, you don't click and, it. That, and, that's, like... and that's real talk, mm -hmm. right? You know, I, I'm convinced that the reason why, you know, Shonda and I, you know, our relationship dropped to another level was when I tried to not do a job because uh, it was going to take me away from my family for too long. Oh, wow. And I think that, you know, there are too many men who are talking, you know, look, Shonda's one of the first showrunners I've ever worked with who, uh, if I said I can't do that because it's going to take me away from my family, uh, the normal male showrunner reaction is, what, where are your priorities? Mm -hmm. And my answer is, my priorities with my family. Yeah. That, that's what's up. And if you got a problem with that, you can step. <laughs> um, so, but she, for her, it actually, I think, deepened, uh, I think it heightened her respect for me. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, I've been working with her for so long. Uh, Queen Shonda, oh my goodness, she's, love she's, her. She's the good stuff. Uh, you I mean? And there's more, and she is the leader of that march, but there are so many more people getting into positions of power who have that attitude now. I just love the fact that right now we're in a time in Hollywood where, uh, I mean, technology changes so that a lot more stories are getting mm -hmm. told, a lot, you know, there's a big diversity of stories being told, but the reality is, you know, Channing Dungey, you know, black woman running ABC Network, making decisions that are just smart business decisions, but also you can smell that there's a new perspective mm -hmm. 
that's happening. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I've worked for so many different people in different ways, and you see that now the, the Hollywood is looking for different people to be running, you know, calling the shots. Absolutely. New shot callers in the mix. Shot makes callers, for, makes hey. for a, a much better situation. And it's changing things up to have women in the mix, to have people of color in the mix. And, you know, and with that comes this whole thing where people just aren't aren't sitting by for bad behavior anymore. Mm. And you know speaking I mean? of, you are already a part of that movement. You are the chair of the Diversity Advisory Committee for SAG-AFTRA. Yes. So how do you think this year with the Emmys just passing, how do you think they did with inclusion and diversity? And what more do you think could be done with that? Well, I'm not, you know, I don't want to focus on awards because mm -hmm. there's only, there can only be one, one show that wins any particular award, one person that can win any particular award. My issue is what's getting made and what's getting critically recognized. And if you want to look at it from that thing, television's been leading that charge for years uh, in terms of improving. Nobody's where we need to be yet, film or television, but film is finally catching up. I mean, you know, Crazy Rich Asians coming out this year. You know, Black Panther yes. is a real place. It's a real place. Wakanda, forever. Uh, I'm pretty certain that my, my Ancestry.com says that I'm from <laughs> Wakanda. Um, no, and it's, you know, I mean, for, for, on Station 19, mm -hmm. by the way, for like, literally, for like all first years. Really? You'd walk, you'd just walk up and you'd, you'd just be like, oh, yeah. what's up, man? <laughs> it was a real thing. It's a movie. Uh, but, Films where, you know, that are like big, big movies mm -hmm. uh, making major money where the ethnicity is, it's so specific that it's universal. You know I mean, mm -hmm. Crazy Rich yeah. Asians is so specifically about these crazy rich Asians, but anybody Everyone. who's ever married into a thing, well, my in-laws don't, aren't feeling mm -hmm. me, and I got to find some way to try and live up to their thing, or I got to figure out if I just don't care about that. Exactly. It's a universal thing. Everybody gets that. And so, you know, you know superheroes, you know, it's, you know, I, look, I had the benefit of being in barbershop, you know, yes. a, a million years ago. Yeah. And I have had, you know, I have had Armenian women approach me and say, that's just like my hair salon. Oh, wow. And I'm like, explain. And they're like, <laughs> Do tell. Well, and their, their point was simply that that place of community where mm. there's, a, there's somebody who's probably retired sitting in the corner who you're like, do you have a job? Yeah. Do you have a place to be? Like, but they somehow always seem to be there, always telling stories, that they saw so many people in this barbershop that, yes, it was about a black male barbershop, mm. but they saw so many things that they recognized from their place that they yeah, go to. It's normalizing everyday people. It, you get specific, you get more universal. Yeah, absolutely. And what are some of the practices that you're doing within your community to make sure that this continues to be pushed forward? Well, you know, we do a lot of things. I mean, like uh, I, the Writers Guild uh, several years ago started doing a showrunner boot camp for all the people who either are definitely going to be running new shows, creating new shows, or are expected to become people. And so they've been doing a diversity talk for the last few years, and I've been going in and having that conversation about, you know, you know, and we're also working with uh, the Casting Society of America on, they're, they're developing a, 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 a handbook, if you will, on casting. And there are things that you don't necessarily think about. Like, to, to give a prime example that's, uh, that, uh, you know, from the LGBTQ community. Um, if you're creating a trans, you can, incredibly well-intentioned, you want to create a trans character, mm -hmm. and you want to show that person from the beginning to the end, the problem is to ask a trans person to, to dress up as the gender that they were, you know, that they are no longer, mm. uh, is, is problematic in many different ways. Yeah. 
you know, and so you, you have to know that going in. Not that you can't tell that story, but you have to understand all of the, the nuances and difficulties that are going to come into the mix when you get into it. Because then you're left with the choice of, do I cast a non-trans actor yeah. to play a trans actor? Mm -hmm. And then you've got a whole problem with authenticity. So it's just like, just know the story you want to tell and just be prepared to back it up. Absolutely, you know I mean? yeah. Totally. So, uh, so we have these conversations with other players in Hollywood to just make sure that they're, they're aware that you know, everything you do has resonance. I'm not saying you can't do it. Mm. You just got to know what you know. What potential blowback you, you you can cast this role that was written as you know an African American female, and you can cast it with a white woman. Just know that there will be people <laughs> yes, talking to you will. when that comes back. Just Dragging understand. Will come in. I'm not saying you can't do it. <laughs> I'm just saying maybe you should. Yes, maybe I dial back a bit. Well, that's amazing that you're moving this movement forward. It's so amazing. Like, got to pivot back to your old school work. I mean, uh -oh. I am a forever fan of Eve. Uh, or role as JT and <laughs> Shelly, played by the rapper Eve, iconic. Yeah. Loved it so much. So the show did not end the way I wanted it to. If you could go back and recreate <laughs> the ending without the cliffhanger, how would you send off Kelly? I mean Shelly and JT? You know, I don't know. How would I finish off Shelly and JT? I don't know. I always, they were definitely going to go off in the sunset. Yes. I mean, that was there was going to be. That's such high hopes. I just figured that there'd be like, you know, a wedding and like some ridiculousness like and like you know what a baby a show up and, and whatever they did they would find a way to, to kind of screw it up like not screw it up entirely but screw it up enough yeah. so that there was you know wackiness involved you Ugh. know a wedding where like you know dress catches on fire or they something like perfect. that you know do you two ever catch up and re re reminisce on the show I actually you know it's funny because we we saw each other we did a uh, a movie together uh, a few years ago and we we weren't it was like honestly the first time we worked together where we weren't playing wow. uh, boyfriend girlfriend because uh -huh. we, we did barbershop together where yeah. we played boyfriend girlfriend. I was her cheating boyfriend in that one. Yeah. Then we did Eve together for a few years, but this one I, I was I was kissing on Jill Scott mm. in that one. Which by the way, it's a good job if you can get it. It's good. It's not bad. <laughs> Jill Scott, uh, phenomenal voice, just a phenomenal woman. Uh, and it was just cool catching up with Eve and mm -hmm. like you know I I hadn't met her man at that point. Uh -huh. And then uh, and then we just saw each other. Uh, uh, a couple months ago, actually, I did uh, I did the talk. Oh wow! And so it was like fun to come in, and they pulled out. Reconnect. They busted out the uh, the very first scene uh, where our characters on Eve met. Mm -hmm. Actually, where uh, her dress got caught on my belt buckle, and uh, and so I'm I'm trying to get it off and. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was uh, such a good show. It, uh, it was show. a comedy ensued. Loved it so much. I mean, congratulations on the season two of Station 19 and oh, a wonderful you. season. Thank uh, you so much October for stopping 4th, by. October 4th, we're back. October 4th. All right, thank you for joining us. The second season of Station 19 premieres on Thursday, October 4th on ABC. Stay tuned for more AM to DM. Okay, here's a quote from Ann T. Donahue. Nobody's looking at us. Nobody cares. Everybody's obsessed with their own thing. Most of the time, we're all just trying our best. Anne joins us now to talk about her new book, Nobody Cares. Look at this book, congratulations. I still don't feel like I wrote it. Like I'm still, like, people are like, you're author. I'm like, who, what you're, author? You're like, I've never seen that before in my life. I don't know, it was all a blur. You but just... you did write it. I did. And I would argue that the, the title, Nobody Cares, bit of a bummer, but not as much a bummer as one would think. Right, it's not like nobody cares about you. Okay. Although that would be like really nihilist and Nietzsche of me if I threw that into the abyss. <laughs> um, mostly just like, 
we think about ourselves all the time. Okay. Even walking here, I was like, oh my God, everyone knows I'm such a tourist. They know my hair is expanding at a phenomenal rate. <laughs> but no, everybody's concerned with themselves. Nobody's studying you. Yeah. Um, although maybe someone is, and in that case, that's a different conversation. Watch out, maybe it's call called, the cops. Right, and like, let's talk about psychopaths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, you, you, you take a power almost from this idea that nobody is kind of watching you as closely as we always, like no one looks at our faces the way we look at our faces. No, which we were just talking about, right. where I'm like, like, oh my God, like nobody is on the internet, on Twitter right now, looking at us and being like, oh, it's weird the way that like his glasses hang on that angle. Oh. It is weird. And I was thinking, <laughs> I was studying you. I'm I, one of the psychopaths. I really appreciate it. You also mentioned your hair on your way over. I saw you tweet. You Did you really comb your hair with a mascara yes. brush? How does that even work? I, that's a great question. Let's <laughs> have a 15 minute segment on that. I think that'd be a great idea. It was super, it's super humid in the city today, uh -huh. as you may or may not know. Didn't have a brush. My hair was expanding. I I improvised. Yeah. And here we are. Let me tell you. I think it worked out. It Listen, looks really great. Listen, like a bit of a triangle sitch. It's fine. <laughs> Here's the thing. You are so hilarious. Oh, thank but you. But you also write a lot about mental health issues right. and struggling even to write about mental health issues. Yeah. Why was that such an important part uh, for you to put in this book? Well, I feel like if you're a person who's writing personal essays about yourself, you have to make it not just about you. Like when I first started, I remember like approaching my editors with the first draft and being like, all these stories about me. And they're like, <laughs> Aren't I amazing? Wow. I'm screwed up, but great. <laughs> Hello. And they were like, um, this is great, but people are going to read this that don't know you. So what's the point of any of these? Mm. So you have to decide whether you're going to be honest and authentic and really be honest because the readers owe you nothing. Mm -hmm. Or you can err on the side of people care because of Twitter. And that's never going to happen. Like, goodbye. Yeah. So, I delved in, I went for it. So when, do you remember when that moment was for you where you, cause that's a question that I always try to ask myself before I start writing, what is the point? And I think that was such a good way that you just put it. Mm -hmm. when, when did you kind of figure out, I mean, I almost think of it as a writing tactic. Yeah, I mean, I had my editors um, who were amazing and patient and very much like therapists by the end, kind of just approach me with that question after I handed in the first draft. Cause the first draft, you're so cocky and you're like, this is perfect. I won't, I don't need to edit any of this. This is my gift to the world. I feel like that's also just the high from being oh, done yeah. with the manuscript. And and you're, <laughs> yeah, you're so delusional. Like I went out for like a night and was like, this is my journey. And then I ended up getting all of these edits and it's like, this is a great start. And as soon as someone says it's a great start, it's garbage. Yeah. So that, 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 that's the beginning of the board, not get, the end. Oh my God. So you yeah. get humbled so hard. Yeah. And then that's when they were like, you have to ask yourself with everyone, what is the point? Like, yeah. why would why should anyone care? Why should anybody read this and, and maybe want to discuss it with their friends? Um, my co-host on the show recently started this hashtag, uh, share your rejection, okay? And, right. and it really took off mm -hmm. and people really enjoyed it. Were there low moments for you that you feel like you've learned from? I know you write about some of them in the book, but is there is there a moment that you really remember that stood out? Yeah, in my life or with the book writing. Either or. I mean, there are two, and one's in the book where I straight up lost my apartment because of a very horrible year. Mm. Um, and that was terrible. And it wasn't so much rejection, I think, as me making a lot of choices and me being in a place that was really self-destructive, which just leads to like a giant implosion. Mm. But with the book, I think 
there were certain parts to, there's like a mental health chapter, there's the addiction side, there's death covered. When you go into those and you have to dig really, really deep, you find that you haven't processed some of the stuff that you thought you had. Mm. And that's when um, you're in your kitchen doing edits and you're like just crying softly as you're describing what it was like to hug your dying uncle for the last time. Mm. So that feels low and then you don't feel, then you're almost like, why did I do this? This feels so, like, what was the point, blah, blah, blah. So it's different kinds of low. One yeah. is like low where you're like, I can't afford food. Yep. And then the other is I feel like I need to go to counseling for a thousand more years. Like an emotional low, especially with something you've, you've dealt with before, um, but like you said, you then find actually you need yeah. to deal with it more. Do you have any just like quick uh, tidbit of advice with how to deal with a moment like that? Um, I think you have to remind yourself that you can't do it alone. That mm. I equated adulthood to being like an island for a very long time where I thought I didn't need help, I didn't need to talk to anybody, I could do it all by myself and it like help was weak not true so when I started this and I hit that point I actually talked to my mom and dad and I did talk to my therapist and I talked to my friends actually vulnerably as opposed to pretending everything was fine mm. and as soon as I did everybody's like oh yeah I've been through something similar and you feel immediately a million times later mm. and like you're gonna be caught if you fall you have that support mm -hmm. well listen I wanted to give you a little bit of support I don't know if you know this but on our show we have fire tweets and okay. you yourself have been a fire tweet I These have. are the tweets that we love. Let's take a look real quick. In 2007, if you wore a long sleeve t-shirt under a regular <laughs> t-shirt, it meant that you liked music. Mm-hmm, that's just facts. <laughs> I'm sorry, I found that so insightful. So we have, it's not a gift. It's a gift. But we do have like almost a diploma for you. Congratulations. Thank you. That's your Fire Tweet Award. It's I signed love by it. me and Saeed. We really appreciate your Twitter account. We really, we stan you. Oh, I stan you right back. Thank you so much Thank for coming for on the show. Me. And seriously, congratulations on Nobody Cares. Thank uh, you. Nobody Cares is available now. You can buy it, read it, you'll love it. Up next, we're going to be reading some of your tweets. Thank you again Thank you. so much. All right, Vanity, you just tweeted, wait, can I be friends with Auntie Donahue? Because our personalities are one in the same. Girl, love you. She was a delight. I was in the control room, I was like, oh, I love her. She's so great. I was like, where's she from? And one of the producers said Toronto. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Although she was out here, before we got started, she was saying Canadians, you know, tougher, meaner than you think. That's what she was saying. I, I also wouldn't fuck with her. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she's smart. She's, she's sharp. Cool. Yeah, yeah happy. absolutely. I feel better. Like you know, like just yeah. having that conversation that was, with her. That was nice. And I, I, I love what she was saying. The idea of nobody cares. Mm. Right. I think about that. I remember having a trainer tell me that a few years ago. You know, feeling self-conscious at the gym, working out, and he's like, "Listen, anyone who's paying attention to what you are doing at the gym, they're not working out well." Mm -hmm. They're on some bullshit. Because mm -hmm. people who are really doing their stuff, they ain't noticing you, nobody cares. And I, it was really freeing. Mm. I like it. Speaking of which, uh -huh. here you go. Thanks, boo. I'm just going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you a gift. I was going to wait Every until we were off camera. I like that. Could you get me some new shoes? Shout out to these cute Nikes I got yesterday. Booyaka! They are beautiful. Bow. I won't lie. I don't get jealous of your fashion. I'm going to call them my Kaepernick kicks. I'm jealous of those. They're pretty cute. They take 10 minutes to put on because they got a lot of straps. Worth it. Spaghetti strap Nikes, read the tweets. All right, so we asked you what you were going to do before your next birthday, Princess Leia. Shout out to you, you watch us from the Netherlands. Hello, Princess Leia. You said, not sure if it's wild, but I really want to see the Northern Lights, and maybe not before my next birthday, but maybe before 30. Remember when you can think about things you want to do before 30? Um, I get to see a polar bear, also don't know if that's possible. Well, do that quickly, girl, because you know the clock's ticking. <laughs> but the Northern Lights, that's, yeah. I've never seen them, have you seen them? No, that's a, 
I might have to. I'll put that on my list to do before I'm 40. I like 40. that. All right, you all had a lot to say about our Soup Season Fire tweet as well. Ooh, Kirsten fun. says, true tea. I don't believe you can be angry and eat soup simultaneously. That's true. That's just true. That's true. That's like also like bubbles. You can't say the word bubbles angrily. <laughs> Bubbles. You're just like, you're just like, whatever. But yeah, I was soup. like, like, I was like, eat bubbles? What are you going to talk about? Just say bubbles. Jen, you were talking about soup too. I'm so happy there's someone else on the planet that loves soup as much as I do. Yes. Tomato basil mm. and butternut squash. Mm. And my favorite is kind of hard to find, but a good chicken pot pie soup. Mm. You oh. know what I've been into recently? Yeah. Matzo ball soup. Oh, yeah. Really? Matzo ball soup. really doing it for Oh, me. soup. We're going to have soup for lunch. Well, listen, thank you to Soup for existing. And Shout thank out. you to our guests, Kate Arthur, Tarini Party, Martha Truslow-Smith, Jason George, and Auntie Donahue. Nobody cares. Nope. But we're still going to be here tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> have a good day. Enjoy your Ooh, day. I want soup. I want soup. You're going to get some it. soup right now? <laughs>